0: From Upstate Medical University, I'm Amber Smith. This is HealthLink on Air. Atrial fibrillation is an abnormal heart rhythm that can increase a person's risk of having a stroke. There's a relatively new way to help reduce the risk for some patients. Here to talk about it is Dr. Jamal Ahmed, an invasive cardiac electrophysiologist in the Upstate Heart and Vascular Center, and nurse Scott Davis, who is the Watchman Procedure Coordinator there. Welcome to you both.
1: Thank you very much. Thanks
0: for being here. Let's begin with a a brief description of what atrial fibrillation is and how it affects our health. Well,
2: atrial fibrillation is a heart rhythm disorder, uh, which uh, basically puts the patient's heart rhythm completely erratic and irregular. It lends itself uh, to a lot of problems, um, mainly the risk of stroke, uh, but also a risk of congestive heart failure as well.
0: So is it something that we're born with or is it something that develops as we get older?
2: Uh, It's something that you develop over time. Um, There are some genetic predispositions to that, but most of the times it's uh, something we acquire uh, as we age.
0: And is it equally um, affecting men and women?
2: Um, no, their propensity is different between men and women uh, and depending on the age group, in certain age groups women are more affected and in certain age groups men are more affected. Um, but uh, generally there are other risk factors like uh, being overweight or having other conditions like high blood pressure, diabetes, other heart diseases, uh, sleep apnea. Uh, that would lend uh, the patient to then develop atrial fibrillation.
0: All right. And um, we said that it increases a person's risk of stroke. Why Why is that?
2: So um, the upper chambers, which we call the atria, um, beat in a very regular fashion. They squeeze the blood into the bottom chambers of the heart, and the blood then goes throughout the body. When the heart goes into atrial fibrillation, the upper chambers of the heart start uh, beating at almost 400 beats per minute, which basically means the upper chambers are no longer squeezing. Mm. So there's stagnation of blood in the upper chamber of the heart. And then particularly, there's one particular pocket in the upper chamber of the heart, which is called the left atrial appendage, where the stagnation is the most and clots form over there.
0: So this left atrial appendage, I've never heard of that before. Does everyone have one of those? Yes. So it, it looks like it's just this sort of like pocket off Ex- the side. Exactly. You can
1: almost think of it as a, a pocket in the heart or a, a, a cup almost.
0: Okay. And we don't know why it's there or what it does?
2: Uh, well, we know why it's there. It's actually um, uh, embryologically when the heart's developing, it's the actual part of the left atrium. Um, but it becomes redu- small in uh, the rest of the left atrium, which is the neo-left atrium, is the veins that plug into the heart become the left atrium. So the left atrial appendage uh, becomes an appendage and almost looks like a, a cup or a windsock that just hangs oh, on the side windsock. of the heart. Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: All right. Well, um, let's let's say briefly sort of what sorts of treatments um, are offered at the Heart and Vascular Center for atrial fibrillation. Scott, you see a lot of patients that come through with AFib. What, what sorts of treatments are they getting?
1: Um, we do uh, ablations to treat atrial fibrillation. So a patient come in, we can isolate the source of that signal coming into the heart. So we can actually block that signal coming into the heart to prevent the patient from having AFib.
0: And ablation is sort of a burning uh, tissue to destroy we, we tissue? We do
1: it either by burning tissue or in fact, more frequently now, freezing tissue. Oh, cool. That's another one of the procedures that we do with Dr. Med and, and the other electrophysiologists at the hospital.
0: Okay. All right, and then uh, there's this new method now that helps reduce the risk of stroke, correct?
1: Yes, yeah, so
2: um, patients who have atrial fibrillation, uh, not everyone, but there are certain risk factors that uh, puts them at a high risk for a stroke. Um, and if their score for stroke is high, um, those patients are traditionally put on blood thinners. Um, the, the old blood thinner was uh, Warfarin, uh, the rat poison. Mm -hmm. Um, It works very well in humans, actually. Um, And it thins your blood, um, and it basically prevents the formation of clot in the heart. But there's a trade-off. Your blood is thin. You're at risk for bleeding. Um, So patients who are otherwise at high risk for bleeding may get into trouble otherwise. So you're preventing a stroke, but yet they may have a bleed through their gut, or they may even bleed in their brain or something like that may happen. So there's a subset of patients who we would love for them to be on blood thinners so that they don't end up with a stroke from AFib. But when we do put them on blood thinners, they end up having a catastrophic bleed somewhere else. Other problems. Other problems. So that's how traditionally we treated uh, uh, atrial fibrillation and reducing the risk of stroke. Um, But now with this new alternative, those high-risk patients... um, can have an option where they can be off the blood thinners, yet not have a high risk for stroke.
0: Okay. And ha- and what is that then?
2: So this is the procedure we call the left atrial appendage closure, uh, which we do it now non-surgically, and it's called the Watchman procedure.
0: Watchman procedure or left atrial appendage closure. Right. Okay. Um, what's involved with that?
2: So basically, um, in short, uh, we run up a wire from the leg into the heart, find the left atrial appendage, and deploy this filter-like, uh, or so to speak, an umbrella in that windsock-shaped uh, appendage. which basically closes it off.
0: So this um, wind shape, windsock-shaped appendage is where a lot of the clots form?
2: Most of the clots.
0: Most of the clots Correct. form. So if you can block it off in some way so that, I mean, clots might still form there, but they can't get out? They can't
2: get out. Get in, get out. Huh? Blood cannot get into it. Blood cannot get out of it.
0: Okay. And um, so this is a, like an umbrella. What's it, what's it made of?
2: Um, it's, uh, it's a self-deploying, self-expanding metal. Um, and has a, a cloth on it, which allows the, the heart tissue to grow over it.
0: Okay, and it's um, what? How big would you say it is?
1: Um, like a
0: there are multiple
2: sizes. So it there, comes, there are
1: five right. sizes. They range from twenty-one millimeters up to thirty-three millimeters.
0: Is that how how big is that? So think of like a quarter, a dime. Um, think yeah, a dime the, size
1: up to slightly larger than a quarter. Okay, you wanna it's a Honor? Sure. sure. <laughs>
0: Depending on the size of the depending patient, the size, right? Yeah. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Depending on the size of the patient's right. anatomy, they, there are various sizes of the device that are available to accommodate those various sizes. Yeah.
0: And then, um, so you were mentioning it's installed through a, 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 like a guide wire? Is it like a catheterization procedure? Yeah, it's a procedure? catheterization.
1: Okay. Um, we, just
2: like all catheterizations that patients may be familiar with, we go up through the leg, uh, we go into the heart, um, and then we find the back side of the heart by making a tiny puncture there. Uh, and we go into the left atrial appendage. Once we are there, we measure the size of the left atrial appendage to see what size of watchman would need to be deployed. And then it is delivered over there. We test it, make sure it's nice and secure before we release it into the heart.
0: Is it sewn into place? No. What, you so, just so it's a self-expanding
2: nitinol metal uh, stent uh, that basically, as you deployed it, it enlarges until it meets resistance. Um, and then that's where it gets deployed.
0: And then tissue grows and sort of anchors right. it? It has place. its
2: own small anchors.
0: Okay. And the patient, in terms of this, um, has this done, and they stay overnight or not? It Generally
2: overnight. One, one night stay. We make sure that everything's okay. Um, and they're safe for uh, discharge, um, and then they go home the next day. Now, it is important to note that their patients do not come off the blood thinners right off the bat. Oh, they don't? They do not. So they would remain on blood thinners for at least a month and a half. Um, This allows for the heart tissue to grow over the Watchman device.
0: Okay. And
2: once that has happened, we confirm that that has happened uh, with another uh, imaging test. And when that confirms that the Watchman is secure and uh, there's no further blood flow into the appendage, we change the patient's blood thinners to an aspirin or another blood thinner. So it's okay to take aspirin? Eventually, the goal is to leave the patient on an aspirin.
0: okay uh, Well, this is Upstate's Health Link on air. I'm your host Amber Smith talking with Dr. Jamal Ahmed and Nurse Scott Davis from the Upstate Heart and Vascular Center about the new watchman procedure. Um, Scott, I wanted to ask you, how do you prepare patients for this? How do you explain what they'll be going through the patients and their families?
1: So we do have videos that we can show the patient. Um, I will call them on the phone and explain to them that it's a, a very simple, basic procedure. I'll explain to them they'll come into the hospital um, that morning. We will um, review all their history and their meds, um, explain to them that they'll come into the EP lab, and that we will put them to sleep, that they won't feel anything during the procedure, that they'll be spending the night. I run through all of the uh, medications that they'll be on afterwards, um, that they'll be coming back 45 days later, again, for the test that Dr. Ahmed spoke to, um, answering all of their questions that they will have. Um, and of course, they'll have seen Dr. Ahmed prior to the procedure. So really, it's, it's a pretty simple and straightforward procedure. Um, so that's...
0: All right. So let's talk about who is and who is not a candidate for a Watchman device.
2: So patients who... Uh, need to be on blood thinners who are considered high risk for stroke and we go by a scoring system um, but once their score has crossed that uh, cutoff, then they would be candidates so there are low risk patients with atrial fibrillation that do not require blood thinners and do not require a watchman either um, then there are high risk patients who require blood thinners but cannot take blood thinners because of bleeding risk um, or Patients who have a lifestyle that does not lend them to be on blood thinners, you know, stuntmen.
0: Oh, You know. okay.
2: The poster child for a watchman is Arnold Schwarzenegger.
0: Oh, okay. He has a watchman. I didn't realize that. Right.
2: Because he would not even get to be allowed to do stunts with blood thinners. Okay. So if you were in that line of work where you are at risk for injuring yourself and you're on blood thinners and you expose yourself to high risk of bleeding, then that would be an option that we would pick, even though you don't have an internal bleeding problem otherwise. Okay. So a patient preference could be considered if it's valid, or if the patient cannot safely be on blood thinners on the long-term basis.
0: And then uh, the device itself is made of titanium or nickel yes. or...
2: Yes, and it's a titanium alloy. So So you couldn't
0: be allergic to that? Could not
2: be allergic to that.
0: Um, Other than that, it's generally?
2: Generally, but again, we mentioned at the start of this conversation that it's for non-valvular atrial fibrillation, so patients who have valvular heart disease.
0: So if you have a heart valve issue, this is not?
2: If you have a severe heart valve issue, um, then this is not the procedure for you. And one of the reasons for that is that sometimes for valve issues, you need to be on blood thinners. And this does not take you off that list. This wouldn't do.
0: Okay. Now, what if you end up having the Watchman installed, and then later on you develop something that the treatment would be, you know, you need blood thinners for it?
2: The Watchman only treats one condition, uh, and that is the risk of clot forming from atrial fibrillation in the appendage. There are multiple reasons why patients have to be on blood thinners.
0: So if they ended up needing something prescribed later, that's a different issue, and this wouldn't interfere with that. They would not interfere,
2: and they would have to go on blood thinners for other reasons if they have to.
0: Okay, interesting. Um, And then afterward, aspirin thins the blood. Are you able to take aspirin for like a headache? Yes,
2: actually aspirin is the long-term treatment after the watchman. So we leave patients on some minor blood thinner. So, it's very important to note that, that's, uh, that they have to take at least an aspirin or be able to take at least an aspirin on a daily basis uh, for a long term basis to get a watchman.
0: All right. Does this procedure alleviate the need for any other AFib treatments? Or would you, I mean, it doesn't really treat AFib. It
2: does not. So, so atrial fibrillation, one of the problems with atrial fibrillation is a stroke. Which, for which is either blood thinner or now this alternative is Watchman. Well. But most patients come with atrial fibrillation because they feel their heart pounding out of, the, out of their chest. It's a very rapid erratic heartbeat. They do not like the way it makes them feel. Um, they can get dizzy, lightheaded. They can get short of breath with that. And for that, we either give them medications to control the atrial fibrillation or, like Scott mentioned, uh, we perform an ablation. Where we go and find the spots in the heart that cause atrial fibrillation and destroy them by either freezing or uh, cauterizing them with radiofrequency.
0: Well, wow. interesting. Well, thank you both for being here. My mm-hmm. guests have been Dr. Jamal Ahmed and Nurse Scott Davis, both from the Upstate Heart and Vascular Center. I'm Amber Smith for Upstate's podcast and talk show, HealthLink on Air.